0: Welcome to another episode of the Religious Studies Project. I'm Christopher Cotter.
1: And I'm David Robertson. Is everything okay? Everything's absolutely fantastic. (laughs) I
0: just thought I'd experiment with seeing, uh, you know, if we could wrong-foot the listeners there. (laughs)
1: You You and your theatrical shenanigans.
0: Exactly. Um, We're brought to you in association with the British Association for the Study of Religions, but uh, this week, um, we're not being particularly British, and we've got um, Sydney Castillo speaking with... Luis Melones on Demon Saints in Heaven Andean Religious Beliefs in Peru. We'll just hand over, I think.
2: Good afternoon. Uh, We're glad to be part of the Religious Studies Project. My name is Sidney Castillo and I am here in Lima Peru with Doctor Luis Millones. Dr. Millones is Professor Emeritus of Anthropology from Universidad Nacional Mayor de San Marcos in Lima, Peru. With more than 20 books, edited and published, he's one of the main researchers of Indian religion, combining historical and anthropological research to give a global view of what is the cultural inheritance of Peru. Welcome, Professor Millones, to the Religious Studies Project.
3: Nice to be here.
2: <laughs> we are glad that you are here, too. Well, um we have been doing research about uh, your, research, your academic research and uh, we find a lot of domains uh, big domains uh, proportionally and uh, one of the things that uh, jumps into sight is that uh, your your main academic focus is indian religion now How can we define a study area uh, as Indian religion or Amazonian religion? What are the epistemological premises that allow these
3: conceptualizations? Really my real concern is not Andean religion, it's just comparative religions. So it doesn't matter that I started with um, the coastal region or Amazonian region or the highlands. What I'm looking for is a a kind of uh, systematic idea to develop about how it's possible to compare different religions from different regions, Mm -hmm. which encompasses also Mesoamerican religions. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, Uh, Regarding this question, would you say that there is a continuity regarding the practices and traditions of indigenous peoples in previous and contemporary
3: times? Well, there is a a huge interruption in, in the 16th century because of the Christian religion. So that really changes the system. Not only religion, but also politics, economics, etc. But especially because the two religions, the two main trends of religion, are so different. One is a monotheistic religion, and the other one is something that we don't have yet a real name to understand it.
2: How can you say that in which uh, degrees are these different religions uh,
3: different? Oh, but monotheistic religion, of course, like Catholics and Jewish and um, Islamic religion, it's easy to understand because it's our today's practice. But what happened with the Andean or Amazonian religion is that to say polytheistic religion really it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's just something that we don't understand. Uh, usually what happens is that we um, utilize the Christian structure of religion to try to understand what had happened or what is happening now in the Andean area or in the Amazonian region. The coastal region is supposed to be totally Christianized, but I'm not so sure about what kind of Christians are we dealing in the Andean area. Mm -hmm.
2: It is it was interesting to think uh, religion as a uh, constructed for a category, concept of the Western, uh, Western academia. Right? Uh, there's a huge implications when we are trying to understand other religions. But that's the
3: history of anthropology, basically. Yeah. See, all, the other thing is that really, when we talk about people who are familiar with the dogma, yeah so sort of immediately think that other people who speak different languages of came from from different um part of the country share the same principles. And this is not really true. Um let's say if we go to Pucala or Panala Panela is the best example. This is in the desert of Sechura. And then in this place, I found a year ago mm-hmm. um, a cult of Christ. And of course, Christ was just a cross, and um, the people in the community, it's not a small community, community. Um, in the desert. And what happened with them is that when I asked for the main God of the place, they say, oh, this is Christ. My Christ. And what happened with him? How can I say prayer to him? I say, no, no, no. First you have to be punished. And then after that, he will allow you to go near. And then you have to do one, two, three, a number of things. And of course, I discovered that the cult has the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing common with the Christian Christ, <laughs> not even his, his history. Mm-hmm. So this uh, sacred history, the Bible, it was completely out of the place. And, mm-hmm. and this is not the only situation in which I could remember, there's a number of things, even in the places who are very close to the central cities. So we are far from, say, clear um, with total conviction that we are dealing with the same religion in the country. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now moving on, and it's linked to the
2: first question: um, What is uh, syncretism syncretism? Uh, would you say that syncretism is an explanatory category in relation to the religious change processes that happen in Peru, took place in Peru, is pop, and also is popular Catholicism related to
3: this category? What happened is syncretism is it this this kind of general word who doesn't which doesn't explain anything? And we see the mixture of different religions. Is that possible really? See at the end you have to have one who is the dominant one. And this is the problem, because we do not exactly know which one is the uh, first one in the thinking of the population located there uh, because uh, most of the people will, be, will will say to you any questionnaire will be respond of course I'm Christian, but it's the easiest way to get out of the problem uh, one very very simple example let's go to a curandero, whatever you wanted to call it. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So this person Jean, the central Trujillo, which is very modern modern city. And he if you ask him he will be of course I'm Christian. I'm Catholic, I go to church. And then um well, when you ask very simple question, Sue so, okay, you're a Christian. How in the world you really cure the people of paroxyship because christian christ helped me to do it why during the cult during the main ceremony you have take a cross and I start fighting against something that I cannot see. It's so one very simple ritual. And uh, he will say, oh, "Of course, I'm fighting with the demon." I say, "Well, in which part of the Catechism exists this fight against the demon?" <laughs> and he say, "Well, I don't care. That we usually do. That was thing which was told." to me by my father, and my grand-grandfather, and my grand <laughs> So there is a number of beliefs, very well organized, in which uh, um, um, ceremonies have been organized, following a very different pattern than the, what the church taught us. We don't know, I'm not so sure, if. if syncretism would be the nice, the best way to explain it. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a really uh,
2: inserted in, in mainstream uh, discourse, this is concept of popular Catholicism also, no? for uh, a for referring to practices so widespread as culto Señor de los Milagros, or many saints alike. What do you have to say about
3: that? Well, I noticed that the last 10 years, talking about the Senor de los Milagros, that the church, the official church, with the present bishop, archbishop, has been very well publicized, publicized. Now, for example, you have a tax with the image of the Señor de los Milagros, travel to the north and to the coast of Lima, of Lima, so to the so-called corners, which means that there is a special effort to spread the knowledge on the Señor de los Milagros. And also in the provinces, which is important because some of the local cults have disappeared because of the spread of the Señor de los Milagros. So this is very interesting because this is a very important effort. At the same time, at that time, will be a problem because maybe it could be more important that the people retain or retain the local cults, rather, rather, rather than you know, change it because of one effort that we really don't know is going to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it's a very political thing, mm-hmm. so the church has decided to choose just one image to be the one who carries the whole doctrine.
2: This it, I I can guess that this is not random. There, no, this, no, it has an obvious intention behind it. Well, of course, mm-hmm.
3: but then, that became step from religion to politics. Mm. We have a question uh, related to that, but moving uh,
2: referring to what you previously said about the devil, the curandero. Just for our listeners to understand a bit more, curandero is what in um, mainstream uh, discourse of uh, anthropology of religion is called shamanism, or something related to devil. Well, in your research, you have found differences between Occidental and Indian beliefs related to the devil. What
3: difference does it have in relation to, to the Catholic religion? But let me finish with the curandero. What happened is, shamanism is only one way to relate with the supernatural. So it means that um, uh, that will be uh, the use of, of one special technique the so could But there there are a number of curanderos who, who don't use the ecstasis as technique to relate with the supernatural. So one of them, and then they were going to use different techniques. So shamanism is just one of those mm-hmm. techniques mm-hmm. to be related with the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the question now. Now, Okay. Uh
2: I asked that uh, in your research, you have found differences between Occidental and Indian beliefs that is
3: obvious. Yes.
2: Better in relation to the devil.
3: Uh-huh. What differences does it have in relation to the Catholic religion? Uh, well, first, uh, let's, let's start with the different devils that we have in the Catholic religion. Yeah. We have two main differences. Um, when the devil came, with the, with the conquest, there are two, two main sources, one is the priests, so they came with, of course, with the dogma, with the cate- catechism, so the formal religion. But there were a few, very few in the whole country, I started with one. Mm-hmm. Father Valverde, which mm-hmm. was Dominican, so then it really was replaced with Augustinians and then Jesuits, etc., etc., etc. But you have to think in the the vast country that we have, and even in the 17th century, there are only few for the whole. Uh, space mm-hmm. in the coast, in the highlands, almost none in the jungle mm-hmm. then. But that was official religion. That was following the catechism uh, who came directly from Spain, of course from Rome. Mm-hmm. What happened is, who the, who the people came to, to Peru? soldiers who didn't know anything about religion, just they were baptized and that was it. And of course a number of migrants who came from the lowest strata of the Spanish society. Which, um, and then of course they, the only thing close to religion that they have was sorcery. And of course, you know, there's a war of witches and demons, etc. So they seem that almost most of the Peruvians have been raised. Oh, I remember when I, I was born in Lima, uh, I was raised in one small, um, what do you call uh, ghetto in the center of Lima in one, how do you call Callejón in English? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like Ali, Ali. like that. Well, but you see, but the re- alley from, from the ghetto in Lima it was, I remember the street, the street was Sandia, which today, you know, it's, uh, to the back of the Palacio de Justicia. Mm-hmm. And this is a very difficult barrier. Mm-hmm. It's a neighborhood, a dangerous neighborhood. I was born there, I was raised there, and of course, um, it was very clear for me that the supernatural world was formed by demons, aparecidos, ghosts, etc., etc. Everything came from my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So, and this is in the 20th century. What could happen in the sixteenth century? So people, the people who came from Peru was um, everything who was expelled by economic situation of Europe. Mm -hmm. Spain was fighting and was losing the war um, against the other countries, especially countries who belong to the different religion, Mm -hmm. the reform the reform. So um, they were expelled for economic religions, came to America. uh, They came for the lowest strata of the society, so it was very difficult for them to know anything more than a few from a few pretty scarce knowledge of the Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So that was a problem. So what was inherited Mm-hmm. for the the majority of the Peruvian population or Latin American population claims from the lowest strata of the European society. Mm-hmm. So the war of witches, demons, etc, etc, etc was the largely most important that the uh, official doctrine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, that demon belongs to the uh, local, what the Spaniards call picaresca, mm-hmm. so that uh, it means it's, it's uh, the, the society, the lowest strata of the society in Spain, which means that the devil is not this supernatural world who compete with the, with the, with the, with the Christianism, it's not the devil of the Dante mm-hmm. of the Vina Comedia. It's a, it's a devil which is familiar with the people. Mm-hmm. You can deal with him. We can talk to him. We can exchange things with him. So, let's say if the demon of the Picaresca is the same that we can read in La Celestina or in El Diablo Cojuelo, so main books of the Spanish literature of that time. Mm -hmm. It's not the demon of the Vatican, not at all. (laughs) So that's why we Peruvians, like Argentinians, Bolivians, etc., etc., so the lowest strata of the society, Mm-hmm. Really, it's more, lab- labial, more related with the demon of La Picaresca than the demon of the Vatican. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm, interesting. And, uh, uh, I think uh, here in Peru, particularly, uh, many uh, Spaniards start calling or disqualifying uh, local gods. And uh, uh, there was many, uh, one uh, term that was widely used as uh, supai. That, that's a, the that's
3: other factor, because what happened is and um, so if you want to Christianize a country, you have to learn the language. So what happened with the Spanish priest? Oh, they say, well, we have to choose one language because too many languages in, in the Andean area. So let's choose Quechua. So they choose Quechua. What happened is it, whatever was the language they have, they finally, they decided to choose. If they decided whatever was, but it was a Quechua. So they have to adapt the Christian religion to the vocabulary of the Quechua language. Same. <laughs> If you look in the dictionary of Quechuan Spanish of the 16th century, the most important was written by González Holguín. If you look for supai, which now we think that it belongs um, means um, devil, supai in the dictionary you say. Almost three definitions. Mm-hmm. One of them, they say, say this dwarf who lives in the house that, uh, could be very helpful if you need someone, something. <laughs> so, the what the Spaniards did was to force the language change. To change it in such a way that can translate the span the Christian doctrine, mm-hmm. and sometimes works, and most of the time it was very difficult. It's just an imposition of that Quechua name. Mm-hmm. So uh, the different language in a society which is an oral society because we still we don't know the the writing of the, what's the writing in the Inca society, Mm -hmm. Um, um, relies only in the oral tradition. Mm -hmm. And the oral tradition means that you have to really have command in Quechua, which is um, um, for the priest and edit for any Spanish. it was very difficult because the Quechua language relies in a very different structure. Let's mm-hmm. say an example. You want to say in, in Spanish, in English, no? My little house. Mm-hmm. So the construction was you know, very orderly, no? So my, and Little is a possessive. Little is an adjective. Mm-hmm. Well, and house is a name. In Quechua, you will say wasichay. So you start with the subject,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and then the diminutive cha, and then the why, which means I like her. Mm-hmm. I like it. So the structure is more close to Japanese than to Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really uh, mind-blowing. Now uh,
2: we would like to hear about your current uh, studies that uh, you mentioned to me in one of our emails previous to this interview that you're setting the image of Santiago de Cevedeo. Ah, uh, si. uh, uh, it's well you known that uh, the change of the epithet that this image had during the colonization process uh, That is to say, from Santiago de Moore's layer to Santiago the Indians layer Could you sc- describe us a bit of this process and uh, would you say that a political use of religion have took place?
3: Yeah what happened is that in a place where I did my last study is Colán which is in the north coast of Peru, close to Pura. It's inside of the department of Pura or region of Pura. Um there there's nothing like um, the usual tradition of Santiago. What happened there what happened there is that The whole, the cult was directed to the horse of Santiago. The horse, his name is Felipe. Mm -hmm. And then the festival is called the Festival of Felipe Santiago. (laughs) And the main event of the festival is the dance of the horse of Santiago. So, The problem is in this very sad country, I'm saying sad because I think in the education, is that there is no studies of ethnography, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: poor studies in history, Uh, happily a better situation we have in archaeology. Mm-hmm. but the worst is ethnographic studies. Mm-hmm. So what we call before folklore and now because of the new rules is called ethnography and it's part of anthropology.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, this is completely far from beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's why there. what happened is that there is a number of and there different some different parts of the country. And there is another Santiago which is related with the mark of the of the llamas. That is another kind of Santiago. Mm-hmm. No horses. <laughs> <laughs> so, so changes completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the festival, the rules are completely different, etc etc, etc so i saw i studied for a number of years the the Santiago from the highland mm-hmm. This is more or less known because there are some studies but this this Santiago that i was studying until a few days because I spent there um my team worked first ten days and then I went ten days. Mm-hmm. So I found out that this is completely different, and there's much to learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, It is from what you
2: say, it's obvious that it exists many traditions regarding the image of Santiago, but what would you say that is a the pivotal change of this these epithets, uh Slayer from, from Moore's layer to Indian Slayer, it, it's it, well it's the main uh, the most commonly
3: known. Oh yes. What we found in the highlands is more close to this. You no know, the idea was especially in the in the South Central Highlands the idea of um, Santiago, or Matamoros, or Santiago Mataindios that we could find in those places, mm-hmm. but uh, what happened? The cause is completely different. Mm-hmm. Maybe I saw, I saw, I um, studied um, the the relationship between the Santiago in Spain and the Santiago in Mexico with the at least two ways in which it's celebrated in Peru, and um, what happened is that um, without the the idea of Santiago and the Indian society, Mm -hmm. the Highlands is more closely related with the Spanish one and the mexican one is following also the spanish the spanish version. Mm-hmm.
2: But in order to fully understand the images the variations of the images of Santiago uh, I think that it could will be uh, a cause of a historical cause and the adaptation that this image has in particular towns. What but the it it jumps the question that how can we understand how a, a single image is uh, understood in different ways of course, in, it's true. In, in different uh, regions? It's true. What would, would you say that this
3: is the cause of this variation? Uh, very simple one, because um, the Peru, whatever today they we think in Peru as a nation so there is a, a unified way of thinking but the traditions of the former ethnic societies mm-hmm. still is strong in some parts and of course the people from the coast, especially the north coast, is completely different from the uh, uh, South Highland, and very different from the um, from, from the jungle, the Amazonian jungle. And then, of course, in the Highland, North Highlands is different from the South Highland, and the coast also. North coast is different from the Central and South coast. So we have to think at least six or seven different versions of the same tradition and then to know that you have to have at least historians, archaeologists and anthropologists working the whole regions. Mm -hmm. But to do that you need at least you see the support of the government or the the, the the only possibility, you know. Mm-hmm. But what happened is that started with the education, if from the beginning, you no, know, in primary school, you don't, you don't explain to the kids that the country is a mixture of different countries,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, at the university, you won't be able to teach that. Mm-hmm. Too late.
2: <laughs> it is true that it is hard to explain uh, from the indigenous view the existence of hell, but in some parts of Peru, hell exists. Oh, yeah. It's a reality. And... Yeah, of I, I have written
3: about it. Mm-hmm. So, it's particularly
2: more European in the brain
3: yeah, itself. And, um, yeah, yes, so. Two specific places, Mm -hmm. but in the case of Ayacucho, the people who are in in the hell are the former hacendados, and they have two days a year they could come out of the hell Mm -hmm. and go where the Indians who they make to suffer, Mm -hmm. make them... So and as the pardon mm-hmm. and as the way that they ask about the way they can they can compensate them mm-hmm. so let's say well I really stopped if it, what happened I still I did steal one hundred of your llamas. Yeah, okay, So that was with your grandfather, so I came to pay you for that. Mm-hmm. If there is a grand children accept that, so he could go to hell. So on the end, not to, so two days, every year or more than that, three or four days, the heaven will open the, the door, and then the person look for the one who really ha- has been offended by him or by mm-hmm. and he can offer a compensation. That's in the language. I- in the cost is different. Mm-hmm. Differ because it depends upon the shama. Mm-hmm. So you talk to the shama, and the shaman will make the ceremonies to prevent you to go to heaven, to help, mm-hmm. and then you, you go through that, you will be free on that. At the same time, the people who go to heaven could be helped by his, his uh, friends or family. Mm-hmm. With another ceremony, you can go out to that. So, And remember, Arguedas, our famous writer, Mm -hmm. he has a very nice tales about the people who who was condemned to hell, and then became one condenado, Mm -hmm. that was the name. And those condenados were um, attacking one town. Mm -hmm. And then there is the son of the beer El hijo del oso. And this son of the which is very popular all over the country, it's traditional. They say usually it's the the way that the the Andeans. Argueda's tale was very interesting because one condenado could be saved if he he, she, whatever it was, is defeated mm-hmm. by a supernatural being or natural being who can defeat him. Mm-hmm. If he's defeated, so the condemned will be transformed in a dove and go to heaven. Mm-hmm. This is a very really really yeah. widespread folklore. Right. Yeah. Well, of course, folklore, oral tradition, oral tradition. whatever. But it's very popular. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so, so, what I told you already in, in in Ayacucho and the other one in the in the north coast. So very popular. So the idea is that it will be difficult really to accept that someone is going to come. Okay? Mm-hmm. And and of course no Usually what happens is you don't go to heaven or to hell. So you are, how will you translate penando? You are going to the world without any specific location Mm -hmm. in the explained in the Christian doctrine. So you don't go to heaven, you don't go to hell. But you have just walking around the alive people who are alive mm-hmm. and um, that had happened especially who those who were born before the arrival of the Spanish. Mm-hmm. So that, that's an special humanity. Mm-hmm. But if you belong to the time when you have been baptized, there is also the Christian doctrine that that's impossible because there always a way that you could get to heaven. Mm-hmm. But if you were born before the conquest or before the Spanish the Spanish religion, mm-hmm. that's a different matter, that's a different human. But it still exists. It's called the gentiles. No gentiles depends upon the town. And the gentiles, And those are very Dangerous people, and they live around the um, archaeological remains
2: mm-hmm.
3: or inside of the caves or in the sea and uh, sometimes also in the pukios mm-hmm. the source of water and that that's is a huge population mm-hmm. sometimes. Because of they see that the Alive people is dancing, walking, talking, um, making love, all those things, mm-hmm. they get nostalgic. And so they dress like a Alive person, a human person, because they are not human, they are Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And they go and mix with the people, especially in the festivals. And dance with him, talk to him etc cetera, etc cetera, until the sun rises mm-hmm. and they have before that they have to go back to his uh, archaeological remains escapes their capes, et etc etc etc. but this is a, <laughs> the other humanity mm-hmm. this is this, this humanity then this this humanities known all over the country, in any rural place. Gentiles or Condenados?
2: I also known because they have broken a rule, a particular rule, spe- specifically talking about, when talking about incest,
3: carca for example. Ah, incest. This is another thing. It's, it's different. It, this, but it's also called Condenado. Yeah, it's also Condenado now. But uh, they have to... Uh, explain at the same time that they came for incest. Mm-hmm. Because I'm talking in the gentiles, that is the society before the Christianism. Oh okay. So, so this is society <laughs> humanity who disappeared because of the of the Christian dog. Mm-hmm. No in, or Pistaco all those things came in our present times. Mm. Well,
2: Dr. Miones, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You know uh, a lot more about the history of Peru <laughs> and our current traditions. Is there something
3: that you would you like to add to this interview? Oh, no. It's, uh, there is much more to talk about, of course, we're going to need a huge class. <laughs> Yes, indeed.
2: Well, Dr. Munez, thanks for your participation, and we hope to see you soon.
3: Thanks to you. I'd be glad to talk to you again.
1: So thanks to Sydney for that. Um, A great privilege to be able to bring you interviews from four continents. Yeah. We still need to get somebody in Africa and we were are trying to get coverage from Antarctica, but it's proving difficult.
0: Yeah. And uh well and we, we have certainly been speaking with um um some groups in India as well. Mm-hmm. Um so you never know. Um but as as you know, Sydney um was proactive and contacted uh, the religious studies project, and we we're very glad that he did. Um you can be proactive too. Um as ever, we will not guarantee that we will approve of the potential project or potential directions, um, but um, we are very open, and um, you know, as long as we can get um, interviews or responses and things to, to fit within our, our general critical rubric, um, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. So if you ever think that there's a geographical region or a theoretical region or a methodological region, to keep using that word that we're not covering um perhaps you could help us out or at least point us in the right direction
1: yeah please do our response this week comes from John Hoops who yeah, um has has done quite a lot of work on sort of Andean religion and um Mayans uh, I believe I'd, I read a interesting paper that he co-wrote with uh, uh Kevin Whitesides a few years back um who is of course our res- uh respondents uh editor. So uh, it's good to see him coming on board. Yeah. I'm sure that'll be an interesting read.
0: Absolutely. And uh, next week, um, we've got an interview from another uh, regular RSP interviewer. Um, it's Dusty Hosley, who has been speaking with Darren Shercutt on um, religious demography in the US. Um, so this ties in with a few of our previous interviews. We, I can think of David Voss and mm-hmm. uh, his interview on quantitative Research and also my conversation with Ariella Kesar on um, looking specifically at um, um, beliefs um, in the US using large data sets. So um,
1: maybe um, maybe Linda Woodhead's interview on um, you know is Britain a uh, Christian country would uh, would fit quite nicely here. I yeah. mean, it's not so much in terms of the quantitative yeah. um, stuff, but in the way that we interpret data and, and how these terms are used. Mm. But um, it's a
0: it's a very exciting conversation with Darren. They're, they're, they're both um, very into these kind of questions. And I know that uh, both battled through some um, technological issues to make sure that we, we got the, the best interview possible. Uh, so we're very grateful for that. Yes,
1: indeed. Um, other than that, uh, thanks as always to the BASR. Do use our amazon.co.uk.ca and uh, .com links. Um, You help out the project a great deal at no additional expense to yourself. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+, and you can find us on iTunes. And if you do use us on iTunes, please leave us a star rating as it makes a big difference to get the word about the project out. Other than that, thanks for listening. (laughs)